Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You're listening to the Room 104 podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalong. FM 104. It's Room 104, it's Cormac and Saoirse here and we're going to be chatting about something which I suppose is, is definitely new to me and um, we came across an article during the week that suggested that there's certain research out there that will that'll show that sexual desires and romantic desires don't have to be linked. Yeah, I mean I do kind of find this strange but when I think back of people I've gone out with or people I find attractive it's very rare that I would look at somebody and think oh they're really good looking I want to get with them. I never really have any interest in a good-looking type of guy. I don't know why. It's usually <laughs> I find they're they're not as intelligent, or maybe they're just I'm lacking something. Right? <laughs> no, <yeah>. no. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, I do. And but there's other parts of them that I find intriguing or sexy, but it's not physical. Do you know what I mean? Which I don't think goes the other way around as much. I don't know. I mean, I can maybe I can. Find someone attractive and then if you find out that there may be a bit of a scumbag and that you're like, actually, no, I don't think you might be very, very attractive, but I'm just just not really that into you. So maybe from that perspective, it might work. But anyway, we're going to delve into this a little bit more with someone who knows far more about this topic than either myself or Saoirse. It'll be interesting to see um, what this whole study means and what the implications are. Uh, he's the director of the Sex and Gender Lab at Cornell University. We're delighted to bring him on Room 104 this evening. Uh, Rich Savin-Williams, sir, how are you? Very good. So, Rich, is this true then? You can love someone maybe without being sexually attracted to them? Definitely so. And it's quite striking that in some ways we don't recognize that there is such a thing called romantic orientation. Most of us sort of know that uh, there's a sexual orientation, and that is most people are attracted to one gender or the other or both. But when it comes to romantic orientation, we believe that it has to be linked or identical to sexual orientation. But there are a fairly large number of people, how many we have no idea, who in fact separate the two. That is, they may have sexual attractions to one gender only and have romantic orientation only to the other gender. So how, how does that, let's say, how does that scenario look in uh, somebody or a couple that, or couples that might be doing that? Well, they may not be couples for sure, because they may be discrepant in, in that domain. I mean, I think it's very clear that everyone that we want to have sex with or have sexual desires, we don't have any emotional or romantic um, attractions to them. Mm. I the real question becomes, can you have romantic attractions? That is, can you fall in love with 
or develop a crush or an infatuation with someone that you have absolutely no sexual desires for. Now, that's the piece that is debatable and is the sort of the keystone of what I'm trying to advocate for based on a variety of research over the years have demonstrated that that can take place. It's pretty clear, you know, that there are crushes and we have no desire not only not to have sex with them, but we don't have any sexual desires for them. Does that not just fall into a friendship category then? It could, but I would say that it is not necessarily just a friendship because sometimes the the feelings that one has for someone go way beyond what a normal or typical friendship could be so that you become maybe obsessed with that person. You keep thinking about them. Maybe you stalk them or maybe you follow them um, or you try to maintain contact with them as much as possible. These would be things that not very likely you would be doing or having with your friend. And how, how common is it for people to kind of develop or express those traits or behaviors? I wish I knew. Um, <laughs> the problem is that as researchers, we don't ask these kinds of questions. That is, we ask all the time about what is your sexual identity or sexual orientation, you know, the, the classic, you know, gay, lesbian, bi, straight, and pansexual fluidity, all these other identities. But we don't ex assess very, at least it's very rare, to really try to figure out what romantic orientation is. So we don't ask the question, like, who do you tend to fall in love with? Males, females, or some combination thereof. Have you found any difference between kind of straight couples and, and gay couples? Because I have a friend who dated guys all her life and in the last year has decided, you know what, I actually find women really attractive. And she's gone on two long-term or had kind of two long-term relationships with women. But she, she was only saying to me at the weekend that she broke up with somebody recently and she absolutely loved her to bits, but just didn't want to have sex. And obviously the girl wasn't happy with that outcome, but she said, I would have married her. She just wasn't yep. interested in that part of the relationship. Right. And this is part of the issue. Why I think we need to talk about these kinds of issues, because I think we don't understand that these two can be very discrepant. And, you know, one can be bisexual in terms of, of having attractions for both genders, whether it's sexual or romantic. So it's possible, and I would say that they are perhaps in the best of situations, because after all, they maybe have a lot more uh, choices. The problem is, is when they fall in love with one and have no sexual desire for the other, but the other person, as you mentioned, do, does have sexual attractions. And then that person may say, well, if you don't sexually desire me, then I can't have a romantic relationship with you. But the other person may say, no, no, I really, really love you. I just don't want to have sex with you. So the fact that you don't want to have sex with someone doesn't mean that you don't, that you hence don't love them or that you don't want to spend the rest of your life with them. So these are things that have to be worked out with couples. And I would say they're not limited to straight couples or gay couples or bisexual couples. I think these are the kinds of things that ought to be worked out for all couples. Someone might be kind of listening and saying, you know, you're separating the romantic side out from the, the, the sexual side. But what, what if you talk about you can love someone without having to let necessarily have sex with them. But from a romantic perspective, you know, even the phrase, you know, you're making love with someone is, is having sex and, and making love not the traditionally has been the ultimate form of, of showing 
and expressing your your deep physical and emotional love for someone. So how can we square that or separate that out or or differentiate that? Surely if you're not willing to have sex with someone, you're not willing to 100% love them with all of your body, for want of a better word. Right. Well, certainly I don't want to deny that for a a lot of people, how many, once again, I don't know. um, But for some people, it is identical. You know, they're sexual and romantic desires are congruent. It's for the same person, uh, maybe for the same gender, making it a little broader. But I think that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that, for sure. In fact, you know, some might say, well, that's the ideal situation. But I don't think we should expect it for everybody. And I think that's where there are a lot of misunderstandings that can occur because the sexual desire either evaporates or maybe was never there. Maybe it was only as a favor because you loved this person so much and you wanted you wanted to have sort of physical relations with them because of your love, but you really weren't all that attracted sexually to that person. Well, once again, that doesn't mean necessarily that that's the end of the road for this couple. So I think there's a there's some degree of of being flexible, realizing that not all people are identical in loving the same gender that they are sexually attracted to, or even necessarily the same person. Yeah, that's interesting, because I guess sex plays a big role in some relationships and maybe not a big role in in others. Right. In fact, that's not atypical. There's quite a bit of research that shows that over time within married couples, sexual desires can certainly decrease. And I don't think it's necessarily the province of one gender or the other. I think this can occur for males and for females. So then the question is, well, if sexual desires begin to fade or evaporate or we're never there, does that mean necessarily that that's true for the other? No. But how do you begin to talk about that and make it so that it's not an element of, oh my gosh, um, we got to get out of this relationship or this person doesn't love me anymore. That's just sort of not exactly what everyone is in tune with in terms of their sexual and romantic selves. Right. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you can still love someone. And even though both of you have let yourselves go 40 years into the marriage, <laughs> and that you're just like, oh, God, you know, you're obviously going to you could throw that away or kind of um, uh, ruin that because there's still obviously years of connection and understanding and, and a relationship there that's possibly more important than the, the, the sexual desire. So in in looking at this and trying to separate it out and discuss the difference between maybe your romantic desires and your sexual desires, is there anything else that kind of struck you with some of the research that you've done and some of the things you've come across? Is there anything else either really interesting or, or, or rare or you didn't think you'd, you'd come across? Is there anything kind of unique and, and maybe even strange that you've found while investigating this entire topic? Well, certainly I have investigated and interviewed um, young men and young women who have this discrepancy and are very bothered by it. And that disturbs them. And I think marriage counselors or people who see couples really need to understand that these sorts of differences exist. Another sort of kind of person that I ended up not really thinking about too much until I started interviewing, and these are young men who say they are straight, and yet they keep sort of developing these intense crushes on men. And so these crushes can be overwhelming and they have a difficult time negotiating this. I I know I'm straight. I know I love 
having sex with women. But on the, on the other hand, I've never loved a woman the way I love men or this particular man. And I think sort of by talking about this and not seeing this as being you're a, a hidden gay person or you know, you're denying yourself, that we ought to recognize that indeed these are individuals who really need to explore these kinds of issues with themselves. And I think all too often the clinical sort of clinical practitioners and other people make assumptions about the way sex and romance ought to go together. And I think they mislead um, many young people, maybe more so in young people than older people, because I think these kinds of discrepancies, younger people are now beginning to look at, while many older adults just sort of say, well, that's the way life is. Um, you know, I'm too far in this to change courses. I guess it's not black and white and that's kind of the, uh, the the end point because you look at films, you look at TV shows and it's set out in a certain way that you think is the norm when in actual fact it's much broader than that. Exactly. And I would love to see far more media displays of men because we do have that with women who seem to be extraordinarily attached and infatuated with each other. It's far more rare to see that for men. And yet I think it is just as frequent among men as women. And of course, we have these, you know, we're, we're buddies or, you know, we're metrosexual or whatever we want to call them when actually the feelings are much deeper and profound and can last a very long period of time. You know, it is funny you mentioned that because uh, I had two friends who at a at a music festival may, may have had one too many fizzy drinks and then uh, wound up scoring the face off each other at one of the uh, acts. And we were all just kind of like, sorry, what's going on here now? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> and we again, never would have displayed. They're both straight, as you said, never would have never expressed or came out as, uh, as gay. And they just kind of did that. So I don't know if there was any other thing than fizzy drinks involved. But listen, it's... It, hugely fascinating area and obviously it's getting a lot of attention now and, and starting to kind of take off but and um, before we let you go is there anywhere you would recommend people can find your work or research online well, a lot of my research is online and if anyone wants to write to me i will send articles to them psychologytoday.com has me as a blogger and i'm more than willing to send those to them anyone or anything that I've written. Well, um, Dr. Rich Savin-Williams, we appreciate you coming on. He's the director of the uh, Sex and Gender Lab over at Cornell University. It's been a pleasure, and thanks for chatting with us here on F104 tonight. My pleasure. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.